Coming up on today's show, Xbox pre-orders launch with record numbers. What the heck is happening with PlayStation 5 and Spider-Man? And more details on the Bethesda acquisition. Episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And coming to us live, it's Brittany Brombacher. She's in the studio, everybody. Oh, I just couldn't bear to be away from Steimer any longer. So, yeah, I just, so you decided to. What am I, chopped liver over here? You're lovely too, Andrea, but you don't smell as good as Steimer. <laughs> I mean, I cannot contest that. It's true. On the smell scale, Steimer always wins. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's the scale you want to win on. Let's be real. I mean, you're not wrong. It's a good scale to be a winner on. It is. You don't want to be smelly. Mm -mm. No, you do not. But welcome to the show, everybody. Whether it's your first episode or your 193rd episode. I almost got that wrong. So many episodes. save. We're glad that you are here. We have lots of news to get into. We've got some games that we are playing, and we've got a really fun Patreon-produced segment near the bottom of the show that's going to be a good discussion as well. We want to give a big shout-out and thank you to our Patreon producers. Chewy's Godson, Californicated, Justin Foshi, Punctified, Ferris Ate, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, and Alex Rogopoulos. And welcome to our Patreon community, Saturday Night Gaming, Jake Masarad, Dustin Shaneyfeld, Mr. Yasman, Anne Kafka, and Queen Sindel. If you guys want to join in the fun, it's patreon.com slash what's good games. We have all kinds of fun rewards, including an ad-free version of the podcast. Brittany, speaking of podcast, we've got some new reviewers. We do. We have a review from George Field who says, Hello, hello from un- unusually sunny London. I'm sorry I'm giving you an accent. It's really bad. I don't know what it is, but we're going to go with it. Just wanted to spread some love for this podcast. Chip, chip. Over the past year, I have lost five stone listening to this podcast while working out. It has been so helpful listening to friendly voices while working toward my goals. Keep up the amazing work, ladies. Yay. Good for you. How much is five stone? I don't know. To Google. Is that like kilograms? Is How that much is a stone? It's a, different, it's a British form of uh, measurement. Okay. Like well, it, it's not used. So it's not the imperial else. system or the metric system. It's just for Brits. Yeah. That's for me. 70 pounds. Wow. Five stones? Yeah. Congratulations. That is a lot of, that's a lot of a weight. A stone is equal to f- about 14 pounds. Wow. Congrats, is, mate. That is, that is a well done, sir. Nicely done. Yeah, you should be very proud of yourself. G Star 240. Wow, that was so hard. Also left us a review. Kyle56, Drock40, and Will883, who says, I'm a new listener. Love the show and your humor, especially the silly voices the one host makes. Well, that would be Steimer. I think they're talking about you. It's got to be you, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's me. Anywho. I, I do make weird voices sometimes, but I believe you are the queen of that. I'm like, everybody knows it's definitely not I don't know me. what you're talking about. <clears throat> yeah, but thank you, you all so much. You Muppet back in the day? Yeah, oh, you I'm Muppet. very good at doing Muppet voices. Yeah, so we should just do a whole show in Muppet, remember? 
That's what we're supposed to do. It's really the only voice that I can do, though. <laughs> it's a really... You sound like a frog. <laughs> yeah. I can't really do a Kermy. He kind of sounds like this, but not really. <laughs> I hear it. I hear it's it. It's like Kermit's knockoff brother. <laughs> <laughs> Derp it. It'll be great. I'll take it. I'll take it. Listen, I'm not leaving podcasting to start a voice acting career anytime soon. But thank you, everybody, for leaving a review. It really does help us. We appreciate all of the support. And without further ado, let's get into the news. As you guys may have heard earlier this week on What's Good Games Live, Xbox bought ZeniMax Media, who owns well-known video game publisher Bethesda. Now, not only did they buy ZeniMax, but underneath that umbrella, they got several different video game studios and IPs, which we all covered on the Monday show, but we will be doing an update on that a little bit later on. But they also had a second major event happen this week. Brittany, would you like to kick off our first story? I will. This comes from my friends at IGN. More Xbox Series X and S units will be available at launch after record-breaking pre-orders. So yeah, these bad boys went live for pre-order on Tuesday, September 22nd, 8 a.m. Pacific, our time. It was a clusterfuck, but we'll get into that in a second. So Microsoft has revealed that more Xbox Series X and S units will be available when the console launches on November 10th, following, quote, record-breaking demand for pre-orders. Xbox put out a tweet hours after pre-orders went live and said, We are humbled by the record-breaking demand for Xbox Series X and S. Huge thanks to everyone for the excitement. If you weren't successful today, be sure to sign up with retailers for updates and expect more consoles to be available on November 10th. Also, the sales ranking for the Xbox One X suffered a significant spike on Amazon, suggesting that many users have mistakenly purchased the current-gen console instead of the next Xbox Series X. And so to be clear, Xbox One X sales went up by 747% on Tuesday. Oh no, people. <laughs> this is why your naming conventions matter. Yes, 100%. I saw lots of really bad hot takes flying around Twitter over the last couple of days. Some people saying, well, you're it's just you. You're stupid if you don't know which one you're buying. And then other people rightly saying, no, man, it's really confusing. Even for people who cover video games, it's confusing. I have screwed it up multiple times on this very show because mm -hmm. yeah, they're too—they're too similar. Xbox One X and Xbox Series X sound like the same thing. Yes, and especially you can't even imagine like if you are a parent or a loved one who's like being told by someone else to try and pre-order this thing, and you don't know. Like my mom offered to to get me one of the consoles, and I was like. You don't want to deal with the pre-order situation that is about to unfold. You do not know not of which you speak. Like, don't, don't, <laughs> don't enter into the fires of Mordor. Please walk away. Um, because it's really confusing. And if you don't know better, you would absolutely do that. You'd be like, oh, the, they wanted an Xbox and an X or whatever. <laughs> Hi, honey. And then... <laughs> I realized it was too weird. So I'm going to take a quick pause. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Steiner. But Brittany was making such an adorable slash creepy face <laughs> for everybody who was watching at youtube.com slash what's good games we have superimposed britney onto the set because we thought it would be fun for us to like pretend, pretend like, like we're, we're all, all together, together. <laughs> exactly and the real issue though is that when we try to do single shots because we only have a single camera studio and we're kind of 
cheating these single shots. I can't do a single shot of Britney where she's on set where Steimer isn't visible or where I'm not visible in the shot. And so they wanted to be together and they had a really cute ghost moment um, before we started <laughs> recording. <laughs> But then if I do Steimer's single shot without Britney's camera in pose, it just looks like Britney disappeared. I've got she did. I'm a ghost. She's been banished from the shot. I'm so well, sad. I talk about my mom. <laughs> like <laughs> So I feel like I can't really use this shot because it just feels it feels uncanny valley in a weird way. You know what? You do you, boo boo. Yeah. Thanks, hey. Steimer. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Anywho, you Anyways, are correct. You are it correct. It's confusing, especially if you are the average consumer. And I hope that you can all get refunds on the thing that you accidentally purchased. <laughs> oh, well, when it shit. shows up next week, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I got it early. Yeah, and they're they'll gonna be, like, be really confused. And then wah. the person. Oh, no. Can you imagine? It's like then they put it under like ready for Christmas and they don't find out until like the day. You th- oh, oh, I hope oh, that's I hope not, not the case. Oh, oh no. no, it's totally If you have happen. a spouse, a partner, a parent, a relative that you know that is interested in buying this console for somebody, you should please double check with yes. them. Check your they work. Got the right thing. <laughs> check your work. Look for the word series in there. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. We yeah. do have it a question. It looks like a mini fridge. <clears throat> it, it should not be laying flat on the box. If it's laying flat on the box, you bought the wrong one. Yeah, that... We have a question from patron Robert Demler, who says, so many people I know are complaining that they didn't get a pre-order. Just wondering what your thoughts and opinions were on the backlash of the Xbox Series S and X being botched, as well as the PlayStation 5. So essentially, yeah, what? how do you think this went? Because obviously what was different about this was that we knew when these pre-orders were launching. We knew exactly when. Whereas with the PS5, Walmart started the whole shit show. It was like, haha, let's go. Yeah. I think this went a little bit smoother from the sense that it felt a little bit more even playing field that everybody who wanted to, you know, hit F5 furiously on their keyboard had the opportunity to do so at the same time. Obviously, if somebody was working or you were busy, that seems like, you know, something that you had to deal with on the side. But at least it felt like everybody knew the time and all of the retailers went live simultaneously. But people still had problems. And that's the tough part is like I was trying to get into Target and was having trouble, but other people said that they got theirs with Target, no problem. I got mine for the Series S on the Microsoft Store with no issue, but other people said that they couldn't get their cart to load, right? So I feel like everybody had a story about a retailer that was just kind of like, you know, shitting the bed. I (laughs) just didn't bother. After what happened with PS5, I was like, you know what? I don't I don't I have enough stress in my life, <laughs> let alone the stress of trying to fight with a website and see if it can remember that I have something in my cart or not. <laughs> uh, I, if I want to give a company five hundred dollars almost and they don't want to take it to me, that's a them problem. Like they need to figure out how to get me the thing that I am very willing to purchase. And if they don't like, all right, like I basically at this point, I'm probably just going to wait until they're actually out and I will walk into a Best Buy and I will say, give me the fucking thing. <laughs> if mm-hmm. they don't have them, they don't have them. Yeah. And they lost my money. Like that's to me, that's what how I'm playing it. Mostly for the sake of my sanity. Smart. I feel like this year has been stressful enough without me needing to worry about whether or not I'm going to get a console that I technically don't need. Like don't technically need it. You don't. I, I could very much use it for this show to talk about, but like that's the only actual need I have in my life. 
Yeah, it's true. I feel you. Yeah. And, and I, I agree. I think that there's going to be plenty of units available in stores. Obviously, if you live in a more remote area, you may have a different situation. But yeah. that's with any product. It's not just with these consoles when it comes to like hot holiday items. So I think that hot it's interesting to see that them them calling it as like record breaking when we all know that there was plenty of scalpers with bots who were out there buying systems trying to sell them though I don't I don't understand. I don't imagine that these are going to go for above asking price anywhere that's no. the weird part to me is like yes how does a bot like, what does it do with a pre-order like I understand the bots for the sneakers because the sneaker they actually just buy and they get and then they send it off to somebody else but I'm like you don't even have the thing you have nothing right now so, like, it makes no sense to me to try and leverage that personally, but obviously people do it. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for you, Simer, <laughs> but I do have another story about Microsoft. Oh, my God. Please let me know what it is. <laughs> I will tell you. So, we talked a little bit about Bethesda at the top of the show, and we've been getting some more rolling details since the acquisition was announced earlier this week. This story comes from IGN. Bethesda will run semi-independently under Microsoft. Head of Xbox Phil Spencer has confirmed that Bethesda will continue to run semi-independently after the company's acquisition. Speaking to CNET, Spencer made clear that while Bethesda games will adopt some of Xbox's new practices, including launching into Game Pass and becoming playable through game streaming, the company will retain some of the autonomy that resulted in some of the biggest games of all time. Quote, it's all about the culture of those teams, Spencer explained. They're not about becoming us. This tallies with the previous comments from Bethesda's SVP of global marketing, Pete Hines, who said, quote, we're still working on the same games we were yesterday, made by the same studios we've worked with for years years and those games will be published by us on a related note zenimax online studios announced that despite microsoft acquisition the elder scrolls online will continue to receive support on playstation 4 Mm -hmm. and patron michelle writes in and says what are the actual chances of a fallout new vegas 2 now that bethesda and obsidian are both owned by microsoft so we found a lot of fun memes floating around over the last couple of days. Um, I think the one where, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the director's name where he's making his Oscars kiss. Oh, was it for Parasite? No. Yes, I think it was. Was it? Yes. Okay. Um, and it was like Bethesda and Obsidian, and then there's just, there was a bunch of a bunch of ones. And Obsidian even got in on it. We talked about it on the Monday show about how they tweeted in response with a lol shrug gif, mm-hmm. well, not a gif, but like a, the emoji. Yeah, of like, mm, are we gonna make this? I would not hold your breath. Obsidian has a lot of projects they're working on. Will Fallout New Vegas be something they may explore down the road potentially in the next three to five years? I would guess not. Probably not. Yeah, they got other other things on the roadmap. Samir, what do you think that about this? Because obviously, Andrea and I talked about it on the Monday show. But what are your thoughts on Xbox buying Bethesda? It was definitely a "What is going on?" morning. Oh yeah. Um, what year is it? But I, I do think I mean it's obviously like such a fucking win for Xbox because as we've seen, Xbox traditionally, um, you know, if you can't build it, buy it. That's their motto. <laughs> um, and it's definitely ringing true here. They don't necessarily have the ability to get studios like Sony Santa Monica or a Naughty Dog spun up and functioning and running and like hiring talent for teams is really hard, especially if you're trying to poach people from other places, getting them spun up as we've seen with Google's theoretical um, acquisitions 
for for Stadia. Where like, when will those teams ever have anything? God knows. It takes a long time. So in lieu of that, trying to be competitive in this day and age, buying Bethesda, as ridiculous as it sounds, is an incredible move. Although now I'm wondering. I mean, granted, who knows when we'll ever have real life events again? But now I'm like, oh no, Bethesda days. Will that be I a know. thing ever again? Oh. Of course it will. Of course it will. Like I don't know that. Of course it will. Because back in the day, Pete Hines could be like, yes, I'm going to approve the budget for this spend. But now he's got to talk to Papa, Papa Spencer, and see whether or not Papa Spencer thinks that it's a wise use of funds well i think that they're going to retain a little bit of autonomy over their budget as most acquisitions do up to a point right particularly in the interim they're going to have like a transitional period but what i thought was really interesting about this that we didn't get a chance to dive into on the monday show was the price point so Mm. we talked a little bit about it and it's like is bethesda worth 7.5 billion dollars knowing that Mo Yang, a single studio, but one of the most popular video games on the planet, Minecraft, was $2 billion. And then if you compare that, Disney bought Star Wars for $4 billion. Now, Disney did a lot of work to reinvigorate the Star Wars brand yes. through the new movies, right? And so we go, well, is Bethesda really worth $7.5 billion? And I saw a lot of interesting takes on it was a great deal versus they overpaid. And I think the thing that we aren't recognizing as... Aaron Greenberg, I've brought this up three or four times now, came on this show and said, don't worry about Microsoft. (laughs) We've got plenty of money. The cash on hand that Microsoft currently has is $136.6 billion. (laughs) So they paid for Bethesda in cash. They essentially Can like Zeddy Max a check and was like, "Cool, we're done." I want to cry. This is never how it works because I work in, in business deals. But like, can you just imagine the uh. the optics of like walking into a room with a fucking giant wad of cash and being like, "I buy you now." Like, obviously, that's not how it ever works. But God, it would be fun. God, yeah. that would be amazing. Yeah, I and mean, Microsoft's not done acquiring studios. They even said, "Hey, the right studio comes along, we'll buy him too." Have you heard right. the latest silly rumor? Of Sega. Have you ever been paying attention to this? I mean, I feel like Sega wouldn't be worth it. No, so the the funny thing is, is the Xbox announced that new controller, right? It's that Sonic Blue. What's it called? Like Electric Charge or something. I don't know. So some people are like taking with a color code, whatever it's called, of the blue on the controller, comparing it to Sonic. And apparently they're the same if you're going to believe everything you see on the internet. And then there was a photo published of, I think it was a female developer on Twitter making an X with her hands laying next to a box. And now everyone thinks that Xbox is going to buy Sega. It's just a, so it's, that's a we're all reach. we're all going no. down that. That's the same as the rumors that N- Xbox was going to buy Nintendo, right? And oh. Nintendo's value is over forty billion dollars, and like that would be quite a purchase, but would never happen. I just I feel <laughs> like you know what was awesome is that Phil Spencer came in, took leadership of this team, really righted the ship for the culture of games and how gamers and gamer culture should be part of the business that Xbox does. And I think that we've seen that through all of his leadership decisions that he's made, including Game Pass, including the acquisition of these studios, including the acquisition of ZeniMax. And Satya Nadella tweeted as well, saying we recognize the global community of gamers and we want to support them and do so across multiple platforms. I think that they are like, all right, let's see how this goes. You know, we've taken a chance and we've really reinvested into this brand, hoping that it's going to pay off, seeing what it's done for Sony 
overall Sony Global, right, with the Sony Interactive division and how it's the most profitable division for Sony Global and seeing how much money Nintendo makes and then, you know, all the other people on top of that. So I'm hoping that they just kind of like cool down a little bit and don't become like the THQ Nordic where they're like, where they're just, I buy you, I buy you, I buy you, I buy you, I buy you. And the then dragon's it's like, sitting on a pile of cash. Yep. Yeah, and then it's like, well, they are hoarding all this IP. Yeah, which they can't, you can't physically produce. Right. I don't think, I don't think Spencer would do that. I just think, I think he's a, a smart boy. And yes. I think, um, I think this was definitely a smart acquisition. And I think it also makes sense, sense for Bethesda too. Um, mm-hmm. It obviously gives Bethesda a lot more, Similar to when um, they bought Double Fine, right? And obviously Double Fine is a much smaller studio, but Tim Schafer has said, like, it, yeah, it just gives you so much more security and you can feel a little bit better. And I think that the type of games Bethesda makes are ones that are, as it currently stands, don't make as much money. And it's because they are single-player focused games that don't really have a lot of microtransactions involved. And right now, microtransactions are the big moneymaker. I know everybody hates them. And I know that this will be a discussion until the end of time, but that is just where we're at. And if that's where the money is, usually that means like you got to change and you have to build those types of games or you need to be able to work for a company like Microsoft that's able to take the hits for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100% right. Let's move on to our next story. <laughs> next story, please. But before we do that, I want to tell you this week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Honey. These days, it feels like online shopping is the only shopping that we really get to do. And that's where today's sponsor, Honey, comes in. It's the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and automatically tests them when you're checking out. Honey is basically your online shopping BFF. So here's how it works. You get Honey in your computer for free in two easy clicks. And then when you're checking out on one of its over 30,000 supported sites, Honey pops up and all you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey searches the internet for that site's codes. And if Honey finds a working code, it'll apply the best one to your cart. I talk to you guys about how every month when we send out our Patreon postcards, I got to print them. And when I do, I always click that Honey Apply Coupon button and it saves me $11 almost every single month. It is the best. I never have to Google promo codes again. Honey has found its over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. It supports all kinds of retailers, from tech and gaming sites to fashion brands to even food delivery. It's simple. If you have a computer... Honey, you should be on it. It's free and it works with whatever browser you use. You guys can get Honey for free today by going to joinhoney.com slash what's good. That's joinhoney.com slash what's good so they know that What's Good Games sent you. One more time, joinhoney.com slash what's good. And thank you, Honey, for supporting today's episode. Oh my goodness, the headline of this is... Tilted me off the face of the planet. Would you like to read it then, Steimer? Sure. <laughs> um, all right. Kids, gather around the fireplace. I'm We're going to tell you a horror story today. Okay. <laughs> it is. Sony confirms there is no free PS5 upgrade for the PS4 version of Spider-Man. This is via Kotaku. Brittany's note here says, take a shot every time we say Miles Morales. Get ready. You're going to get so fucked up. As of right up. now. Friends, there is no upgrade path to get the graphically updated 
Spider-Man Remastered on PlayStation 5 for players who already own the original Spider-Man on PlayStation 4, according to a statement provided to Kotaku by Sony. Wait, this is mis- this is a misleading headline, but that's okay. Yes, um, the whole story is misleading. This whole story. Oh, I'm, I'm less tilted already. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Kotaku, and your clickbait headlines. Marvel Spider-Man Remastered is an enhanced version of Marvel Spider-Man and is included as part of Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition for the PlayStation 5. In addition, players who purchase Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales on PlayStation 4 can upgrade at no additional cost to the PS5 version of Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales and can take advantage of a paid upgrade to download Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered. There are no plans currently to offer Spider-Man Marvel's Spider-Man remastered as a standalone. Good God, this is a confusing story. <laughs> Players with a copy of Marvel's Spider-Man for PS4 can purchase Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition to experience Marvel's Spider-Man remastered on PS5. Marvel's Spider-Man for PS4 will also be backwards compatible on PS5. Confused? Fuck yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. Let's break it down. If you are a PlayStation 4 Spider-Man owner and you want to play the upgraded version of the Peter Parker game on PlayStation 5, you need to buy the $70 Ultimate Edition of Marvel's uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, because that is the only way Sony is letting you get that remaster. By purchasing Miles Morales on PlayStation 4, players will also gain access to PlayStation 5 version free of charge, but that is just for Miles. So from there, a $20 quote-unquote paid upgrade will bump the standard versions of Miles Morales up to the Ultimate Edition, which gives them the PlayStation 5 upgrade of the PlayStation 4 Peter Parker game. Good Lord, that's a lot of spiders. That's a lot of bites. Uh, Just buy whatever version you need and try not to worry about the rest. Jesus, I still don't even know what version I need. I still don't know. I mean, what do you want? That's what, here's what, here's how I'm looking at this. Okay. You know what I want? I just want the PlayStation five version. That's what I'm going to get. Miles Morales. I'm not fucking worry about the rest of it. Miles Morales. Yeah. That's what I want. Yes. Yeah. Just buy that. They could have saved themselves a lot of trouble if they would just add Marvel Spider-Man from PlayStation four to the PlayStation plus collection. Yes. Yeah. The fact that it's not in the PlayStation Plus collection for PS5 is a swing and a miss knowing that you bought Insomniac Games. This, to me, stinks of a licensing snafu with Marvel. And I don't know why Marvel's not rectifying it. There's got to be a price point that they can get to that will make this better for everybody. And I don't, like, this to me seems like a non-issue, Sony, fix it. It. It is definitely a thing they can fix. The reason I would think the only reason I could think they wouldn't want to put it in plus is if their sales are still consistent uh-huh. and they feel like they would lose money. Well, it is the highest selling PlayStation exclusive of all time. Right. Yeah. And I feel like it's probably it's probably getting that um, bump that we just talked about for the Xbox One X, where people are like, <laughs> Spider Man. I don't. I heard there's a Spider Man game. Oh look, there's a Spider Man game, <laughs> and I just fucking get it um, because people are slightly dumb. And I'm sure the them. marketing team is thinking, well, there's confusion over the size and scope of Miles Morales. Maybe we'll put an added incentive for people to want to buy the PS5 game of Miles Morales if we pack in, yeah, the original, original. Spider Man game, which I get, but don't penalize people who supported the game in the beginning. Like let those people have a digital entitlement yeah. to get it, and then it's like that control they, of issue. Course, would retort with, "Well, how do we give them a digital entitlement if they bought a disc?" And I was like, "I get it. That's a very that's a very real problem you that a lot of publishers." You look at the trophies, <laughs> and then you just like, yeah, somebody may have rented it, but like 
guess what? You're you're still doing right by that player, and that's fine. I feel like they can eat that cost. Yes, one hundred percent. They can. Yes. They can eat that. Eat it. Yeah. Are, are eat the people it. that bought it. No, I don't yes. think that eat Sony it. has one hundred and thirty-six billion cash on hand. <laughs> they do not. But in fact. <laughs> they can probably afford. You know, a few copies of rented Spider-Man <laughs> to be given away for free, the higher version of it. How many millions of people do you think played PS4 Spider-Man by borrowing a friend's copy or by renting a copy? How I many? have no idea because I'm just so not that consumer anymore, but I know that people still are. Yeah, yeah. very. Sp- I can't imagine me that many people. In the grand not scheme enough of to things. bankrupt the company. No, yeah, sure. this is just a, it. Kind of reminds Especially me like, of that this is twenty bucks, basically. Yeah, it reminds me also of that potentially twenty dollars free goods. Sorry, the audio is like cutting out. I don't know what's happening, but it's fine. Is everyone done? Go for it. Yes. Okay. Speak to me, lovely Brittany. There we go. I'll speak to you because I'm so close to you. I just want to be so close to you, so close to you. Uh, it, yeah, Aww. it reminds me of that snafu with Remedy and Control. And how it's like, oh, you have to buy this one edition of the game so you can get the next generation edition because it's just not possible to do it the other way. And then someone accidentally pushed the update live, which actually made it possible. And then it was just a bad look. And I don't think they ever put out a statement regarding that. But yeah, this they is weird. And I Homer think Simpson. this They're is like, just don't just don't acknowledge it. Just just pretend it never out. happened. But yeah, I think Wait we're going to another new cycle to take this away. <laughs> see more of this because it's just a weird time in the generation, friends. This is some uncharted territory, you know? Weird shit. Everyone's trying to find their own way. What did they price their games at? Who knows? Just yeah. I think if they're time. pricing this at $20, that personally seems a little bit steep. But um, yeah, I I don't know. Just, yeah, I, I would if I were them and they wanted to do the right by player move. If, if they wanted to. a certain number of trophies, if you beat Spider-Man, you could even do that. Like, if you beat it. Like, I don't care. Like, somebody might own it not have beaten the game. Like, you don't get it for free. Go back and get the fucking trophy. So. Finish the game. <laughs> you get the upgrade because you beat the game. I don't care how you beat the game. You have it on your account. That, Therefore, you get the upgrade version. That would be a really fun promotion to say if you get if you got the the completion, like you completed the final, not even the platinum. No, 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 I, not the platinum. But like the final story yeah. mission yeah. completion trophy that you get the title is granted on PS5. The upgrade. As long as it's tied That'd to your PSN ID. Come on, Sony, you can do like, it. That's a thing that they can do. But same like you said. They won't. They, won't. they, won't. they can make <laughs> money off of it. Come on. Oh, boy. And then there's a whole nother ball of wax with people being upset that they can't bring their their saves over their save over i'm like that's not a thing stop it stop being upset that you can't play playstation one through three games on your ps5 that's also, also not a thing <laughs> be mad about something more important like brianna taylor for crying out fucking loud word jeez yeah True. plus like i think a, i think the confusion stems from and let me know i know there's been a lot here's the thing we're getting a lot of comments on youtube there was a whole press conference dedicated to specs and to the te- we can't remember everything off the top of our heads don't get mad don't get angry it's fine like andrea said get mad about other things but i know a lot of i believe if you're a part of playstation plus obviously your save dat- data is in the cloud you can bring that over to ps5 for certain games is that what it is but then for some reason for this game you can't no, it's all depending on the specific developer and if they're enabling that type of cross-progression with their save system. Oh, okay. It has nothing to do with the hardware. It has everything to do with the developer code. So they're mad that Insomniac isn't implementing that? Okay. Correct. Well, it's yeah. almost like Insomniac has a lot of other projects they're working on. No. <laughs> Definitely not. No, no they're not doing no. anything like Roger and Clank. Not doing no. anything. It's fine. Miles um, Morales. <laughs> One more for Take another <laughs> shot. <laughs> Get fucked. 
On to the next story. The Game Awards are returning. Shocking nobody. They will be back on December 10th. We already knew this because Jeff Keighley announced it before Gamescom. But there's now an official press release that says it's going to be a free digital live stream available across more than 45 video platforms. It's going to air in 4K UHD. You're going to see Keighley up close and personal. All those pores. pores. Yes, all those pores. (laughs) (laughs) You best get to masking mr keely we're gonna be looking out for it <laughs> find some botox you can do it uh there's gonna be a no in-person audience avi and but what i thought was interesting is going to be streaming from three different locations los angeles tokyo and london and the three host cities for the game awards will be digitally connected for an innovative celebration with live award presentation musical performances and a spectacular word premiere game announcement wowzers yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of waxing poetic about how they're very innovative, which they yeah. are. Jeff, you do a phenomenal job, but we don't need to tell you that. No, I, I will say I, I think saw the, the, the... Hold on. Oh, go ahead. I think, I, yeah, because the last paragraph is actually important. It's the Game Awards also announced that it will present a new award starting in 2020. Yes. The innovation and accessibility that recognizes software and or hardware developers that are pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. I was just going to read Heidi's question, but now you can. Okay, cool. I'd love to. I love reading Heidi Nielsen's questions. It's what I live for. So Heidi asked, The Game Awards announced a new category this year, the Innovation and Accessibility Award. I'm excited for this particular award, but I question why they haven't opted to align with current events and add other awards to honor diversity within the industry. Are there other awards, especially in our current climate, that you think should be added to the Game Awards? That is an excellent question, Heidi. It is. I think... That the answer is not going to be satisfactory to you. And that answer is that the jury for the Game Awards, frankly, does not have enough bodies to play enough games to get an adequate pool for voting and nominating on the types of games that would be in these very fringe categories. And... You're probably saying, well, get more jury members. And I would say, you're right. You should. And I would point to the fact that Jeff is working on this tirelessly throughout the year and that he really relies on his media partners to help kind of surface games that he can feature and things like that. And he really just probably needs to broaden the scope of who is considered on the jury And that would require him dedicating time to vet additional people. And I don't know if that is on his priority list. I would imagine that it's not, that his priority is featuring these games and developers that people want to see so that he can keep putting the show on. And so while that is a very worthy endeavor, I don't know when or if it will happen. But there are other places for these things, places like the Black and Gaming Awards, places like the Game Developers Conference Awards, places like the Dice Awards. There's a lot of other awards that happen throughout the year that aren't the Game Awards because the Game Awards, to me, mean like razzle-dazzle, this is really fun. It kind of feels like it's more of like an entertainment-focused show versus like a game developer-focused show, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is. And I think I think the thing to, to note there about diversity is I don't know that that would be an award, but I would really like for the judges or for everybody to be nominating to be thinking more about... Mm-hmm those unsung heroes that may not get the opportunities to shine like a lot of other developers. Yeah. I think that could also be changed if you add more, I mean, like how do you say like categories you could do like there's a games for impact, but maybe 
games for good or something. I know that sounds kind of like the same thing, but a little different. Or maybe like games you missed, you know, sleeper hits, things that didn't get a lot of the dark horse. Yes, the dark horse. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, things that didn't uh, yeah, get I all wish the. Yeah, they pl- did trending game of the yeah. year instead of trending gamer. Mm-hmm. I think it would be. I know they changed the trending gamer uh, category to be was a content creator or. I don't know what they um, Content creator of the year or something. I can't remember what they what they changed it to, but I think trending game of the year feels like a much more impactful category for games that really impacted gaming culture. Games like Fall Guys, right? Like I don't yeah. think Fall Guys as a game is that innovative, but what it did for gaming culture and the zeitgeist moment that it created, I think absolutely deserves to be recognized, right? Yeah, I think Fall Guys, Among Us, like those are games that could be nominated for that kind of a category. Even like just, an Animal Crossing, right? Yeah, Animal, like, yes, the games that you might not necessarily want as quote-unquote game of the year, but would make sense to be a trending game because they just made a really big impact on the space. Um, but I think he probably wouldn't do that because it sounds too similar, too close, or there would be confusion about trending game versus trending game of the year versus game of the year. People yeah, would yeah. not understand. Yeah. But I do appreciate your question. Um, I just wanted to make one last point about honoring diversity. I think that it's a it's a, it's a topic that we at What's Good Games have talked about quite a bit, not only from the lens of being women in the gaming industry, but also through the lens of LGBTQ plus and BIPOC, the sense of tokenism and talking about what it means and how do you how do you avoid tokenism while also honoring people who are those marginalized voices. And it's an always evolving conversation. And I think that that would be a really tough thing for the Game Awards in its style and the type of show and the type of entertainment it looks to provide for it to hit successfully. So I think it's probably better for the Game Awards to just not do it. And I look to other industry leaders like DICE, like the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, or like the Game Developers Conference to really lean more into that space. But again, that's a, there's, a, there's a lot of in-depth resources on that if you want to look. And I highly encourage you to find them. And in case you missed it, Blizzard has announced the official dates for the online-only BlizzCon, being dubbed BlizzConline. <laughs> I thought that nice. was cute. For February 19th and February 20th, 2021. Oh, wow. That's a long ways away. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, so they're like, oh, you thought you were getting news about Diablo 4 this year? Never mind. You know what? COVID really fucked our schedule, so we're going to have to go ahead and move this to 2021. I still want that Diablo mobile game. Uh, Immortal? Is that what that I, have, I don't remember what it was called. Diablo Immortals, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that sounds right. Yeah, the one that uh, everyone. It's a joke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Said? Yeah, it's an April Fool's oh, it was joke. A joke. I yeah, remember exactly. But yeah, I was just like, what a day. Fucking yeah, douche. He was an asshole. Straight yeah. up. I want that game. Fight me. Ah, <sighs> boy. Oh, boy. I will not fight you on that. Good. That sounds like a reasonable request. And on that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. Hey, everybody. Andrea here. I just have a couple of quick announcements for this week. If you missed it on Monday at twitch.tv slash what's good games, lights off returned and Brittany and I had a super fun 
Scream Fest playing Pacify. We are going to be raising money for our friends at Able Gamers as part of Steve Spawn's 40th birthday goal to raise $1 million. The What's Good Games team goal is $5,000, and we're currently over $2,300 on our way to our goal. But if you want to watch some spooky streams, please join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash what's good games now through Halloween. Plus, I have moved my weekly gameplay stream from Wednesday to Thursday afternoons now that the summer of gaming is over and we don't anticipate any Thursday announcement streams. I thought a happy hour stream would be a bit of a more relaxing time. So if you haven't swung by our Twitch channel, please do drop us a follow. Make sure to turn on those notifications and we hope you enjoy the gameplay. Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and this is where we talk about what we've been playing. During these economically turbulent times, everyone is looking for a way to feel more financially secure. So if you're still needlessly throwing money every month at high-interest credit card debt, it's time you checked out Upstart, the revolutionary online lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score. Now is the time to find out how low your Upstart rate can be to help pay off high-interest credit card debt. Unlike other lenders, Upstart can reward you based on your education and your job history in the form of a smarter rate. Now, you don't need a degree or a diploma to apply, though. Upstart lets you skip going to the bank because it's completely online. They offer loans from $1,000 to $50,000 so you could consolidate your debt into one easy fixed rate payment. Upstart makes it fast and simple to check your rate. Since it's just a soft pull, it's not going to affect your credit score, so don't worry about that. The hard pull does happen, though, if you accept your rate and proceed with your application. The best part, though, if the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off off credit cards or meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt and get back to using your money your way with Upstart. See why Upstart has 4.9 out of a five-star rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash what's good to find out how low your Upstart rate can be. Checking your rate online only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash what's good. Your loan amount will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Not all applicants will qualify for the full amount. And this episode is also brought to you by Felix Gray. So there are a lot of blue light glasses on the market, but they're not all created equal. Many blue light glasses don't filter enough blue light, especially in the range that matters. Screens produce most blue light at a certain point in the spectrum, 455 nanometers. Most clear blue light lenses only filter about 2-3% to in that range. Felix Gray uses a proprietary filtering technology to filter 15 times more blue light in the same range, filtering out 90% of blue light in the most damaging range and eliminating 99% of glare through a proprietary industry-leading lens technology, only available with Felix Gray. So Felix Gray frames are hand-finished from durable, super lightweight Italian acetate, and you can order online, and the glasses ship directly to you with the hard case and lens cloth included. You can try them for 30 days risk-free, and if your screens aren't easier on the eyes, send them back for a full refund. Now, Steinmere, you use Felix Gray glasses. I own three pairs Look of at you. Grays, and uh, I paid for them myself before this ever was read on the podcast. I've owned them for a couple years. And you yeah, like them? I like them a lot. They they definitely help. Um, I wear them 
sometimes all day and sometimes i just put them on like 6, 6 p.m onward to like try and make sure that the blue light doesn't totally mess with my melatonin levels yeah and they look real cute too i mean you look yeah. cute in a lot of stuff you wear but especially in those glasses so if you want to look like Samer, you can go to felixgrayglassescom slash games for the absolute best quality blue light filtering glasses on the markets that's f-e-l-i-x-g-r-a-y glasses.com slash games shipping and returns are totally free at felix gray felixgrayglassescom slash games all right ladies what should we start with Hmm. Well, we could start with 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. That sounds fantastic. Tell Let's, me about how many Sentinels there are and why. Samra, I know this is going to be really hard to believe, but there are 13. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, but why? I don't know. Okay. Oh, okay. So I know nothing. <laughs> I knew pretty much nothing about this game when I decided to buy it. I was like, eh, it looks like kind of my cup of tea, vanillaware game, kind of anime, takes place in 1980 Japan. Like, I'm all here for it. So, so you went from Ghost of Tsushima and you were like, I need more Japan. I do. Let's go. I know. I, I'm trying to hold out until Yakuza, but I need all of the Japanese games in my life. So this game released in November 2019 in Japan and it just came to the West, I think the 22nd. So in our time, just yesterday. So it is a mix of adventure side-scrolling story and RTS battles in mechs, which is like a weird combination, but it somehow works. Yeah, and it follows 13 high school students from 1980s Japan, and it's a war between mechs and these giant monsters. The mechs are like the Sentinels. That's what it is. You are the Sentinels. You are the people inside of them. And for some reason, when you go inside the Sentinels, you get naked. I don't quite understand it. Like you do. Like you do. It's vanilla wear. It's vanilla wear. I don't know if you've ever owned a mech, Brittany, but you really need to get naked to get... Become one with that mech. I, apparently, it's like an intimacy thing. I don't know. I just feel like I it'd be very cold. I don't know and, what you guys are referring to, but... I'm we don't either. It. It's fine. Just, yeah. You just smile and nod and you go with it. And so, yeah. So you have these 13 characters. And it's interesting how the game is laid out. So after you finish the tutorial, the game is broken into the following segments. Remembrance and destruction and analysis. And so when you want to play Remembrance, you take these 13 characters and you essentially play their little stories. And in order to unlock certain stories from certain characters, you need to play certain character stories first. And there are branching story elements that can take place. Yeah, like I hope this trailer I'm, YouTube. I'm watching the No, I hope it shows her good get yeah, she said like, Where are my clothes? It's the weirdest thing ever. But uh It's her garter belt. That's where her power lies. <laughs> it's in her garter belt. I mean, isn't it always, ladies? I guess it's it always. Always. I don't really, you know, wear my a lot, but Dang, that's that's a bummer. So in the remembrance, as you're playing as a character, you essentially walk left or right, and it's really gorgeous. I think the art is really pretty, uh vanilla wear again. And you talk to characters, you can interact with your environment, and then what happens as you talk and pick up keywords from conversations, it pops into what's called your thought cloud, and then you can pull from that to engage in different conversations or answer certain questions. And depending on how you play out the scenarios, you'll see what branching timeline you got. And I haven't, I just unlocked this mechanic in the story and I'm maybe six or seven hours in, in the game rather. So I just now am getting to like mess around with it, so I'm not entirely sure how it plays out. Uh, so that's how you get the narrative of what's going on because the game actually starts I think toward the end of the narrative and then it does that thing where it kind of rewinds and you're like okay who is this character why are they there and that's like yeah if you're watching on youtube.com slash what's good games like that's one of the main characters right there and he's talking to his buddy but you will get to play through the perspective as both of them and then obviously 11 more people and then there's the destruction mode 
where you essentially just battle. I'm, it's, it's called. It's described as where characters equip mecha and engage in possible real-time battles against enemies. I haven't messed with this a lot, but I'm assuming it's just more of the same combat. And I don't know why they've made the narrative and the combat separate from one another. It's like it's not intertwined. So when you boot up the game, you can do remembrance or you can do destruction. Or you can do analysis, which I think is just essentially a codex of what has happened. Because there's a lot of characters, obviously, to keep track of um, through this game. But I don't know why they're not intertwined as one whole game, why they're separate. Because I think you have to do both. But it sounds like you can maybe do them at your own pace. I don't quite understand it. I've never played a game like this before. But it's that weird shit that I love. It's like totally right up my alley and I'm having fun with it. And the story is very gripping and it's something that you just find yourself the time just, you know, going really quickly because I just started yesterday and I already put six hours into it, which is like, you know, that's not typical for me right now. Life's busy. Yeah. But yeah, it's really pretty. The color palette's really soft and sort of muted, but it has really nice lighting effects that warm it up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, really pretty. Does that mean the city's like on fire? Is that what we're seeing here? Is that what's warming it up? That so there are a lot of particular one I'm not sure, but the other ones it was just the sun. Yeah, yeah, the city is definitely devastated in this particular scene. There's a lot of time travel in this game, but it's done in a way that's not incredibly confusing. It's not like you're watching The Witcher and you're like, "What the fuck is happening?" This um, like, what time am I? Yeah, in? the story is very, very gripping and it's very good. And like I said, there's a lot of time travel and it's interesting to see. Yeah, see how they're all naked? They have no clothes on. I mean, and sometimes they, you just want to feel your naked skin against some cold some metal. Cold metal. I guess that's their thing. I don't understand it. But, you know, it's it's a thing. So, yeah, uh, I would definitely recommend, you know, look at some trailers first and see if this looks like the kind of thing you would like. Definitely not a game for everyone. But if, you know, you're a little bit of a weeb like I am, you'll love it. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Steimer, mm-hmm. you have been playing what it feels like a lot of the internet is playing, a game called Hades. So another really beautiful game, but one in the very opposite color spectrum. So <laughs> from what I saw of Britney's game, again, very soft, muted color palette. One of the things about Supergiant that I love, adore, mm, chef's kiss all the time, their art direction is fucking incredible. They use all of the colors and they use them all sometimes at the same time. And I'm just so here for it. Games do not play with color as much as Supergiant does traditionally. Uh, and I think I applaud them. I applaud you, hmm. art, art directors and art artists at Supergiant. You're amazing and I want to be your friends. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but aside from that, yes, I started downloading Hades because I saw everybody talking about it. And I was like, I really don't like this kind of game. It's a roguelike. roguelike. Right? I don't like roguelikes. I don't like them because I don't like dying over and over again. However, um, I do like Supergiant. I appreciate their art form. I've liked all of the games that they've made before. And I also looked up and I was like, is there a quote unquote easy ish mode for this? And they're like, well, they've got a mode and it's called God mode. And when you turn it on, every time you die, you get uh, damage resistance. So right now I've died less than 10 times because I, I haven't played this game super long. But uh, and so now my damage resistance, I think, is up to like 35 percent or something. And every time I die, it increases. Not a lot. It, it doesn't jump like tens of percentages. It, it's I can't remember if it's by five or by like three. It's just it's a smallish percentage. It will it will go up every time. So you will still die a lot. 
However, every time you die in this game, the whole the whole premise of this game is you are a son of Hades and you're trying to escape from the underworld. And your dad is just like, Haha, good luck, son, hmm. you dummy. And every you can't really die, but when you die, you just get returned home. When you get returned home, you can talk to people. You can kind of figure out there is a story here, which is part of what I'm really interested in. You can talk to people. You can pet your dog, Cerberus. Oh, uh, you can talk to your dad, Hades. You can talk to a few other people in in your house. Uh, or you can go and you can spec out. So like in your house, there's a mirror and it basically gives you permanent boosts if you get a certain number of... Uh, I've, the, a, a typical type of currency. I do not remember. The, it's purple. That's all I remember. <laughs> don't remember what they called it. That's awesome. Uh, I like that. Yeah. And so then you can kind of go through and as you... The dungeon obviously uh, is different every time. It is... Uh, and then they have different pathways every single time. So you can basically like, if there's two door options, it'll always be different on what's lying behind door number one or door mm-hmm. number two. Procedurally generated. <laughs> there you go. What I was looking for. I was just like, it was swarming around there in my brain trying to get out. And I found that really fun. Although I found a buff I really, really love, which is Dionysus. You'll appreciate this. Uh, do you know who Dionysus is? Yes, of the goddess of wine. Well, yes. I wasn't sure how much you knew about Greek mythology. Um, so a fair amount. Dionysus, god of wine. And his buff is fucking awesome because it's basically a dot. So you just, anytime you... Um, Excuse me, ma'am. What's a dot? <laughs> damage over time. There we go. Um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you basically like, it's like, I can't remember. The, it's like Kong over is the name of the, the buff. Yes. And they turn, they have like a purple debuff on them and you just see like their health ticking down. It's not a huge damage, but it helps so much when you're running around trying to dash and like you stab people a couple times and you bolt out and let them health tick down, jump back in, stab them again, jump back out. I love dots. Dots are my favorite. Um, just because they they make uh, to me they make it e- more easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it too. It's usually why I pick um like poison weapons or caustic weapons yeah. that have again you know those dot properties. Mm-hmm. Kicking this microphone down here on X. So I, yeah, I also hate roguelikes for the passion because I, I don't like dying and losing all my pro- progress. But it sounds like you can buff yourself up enough between runs where it doesn't feel so demoralizing. So so far. Um, yeah, every time I've died, I've gone back and there's either been somebody new to talk to or like some new dialogue to, to listen to. Um, there's been something new that's happened mm. or there's been, um, yeah, something that I can unlock. And so that's the thing too, is as you're going throughout this dungeon, in addition to the mirror where I've basically at this point already kind of maxed out the, those buffs with the exception of one where I need like 500. So it'll be a little while. Um, there are other, there's another type of currency too that you can be picking up as you go along. And those two types will stay with you even if you die. And then your coin currency, you need to spend on that particular run. If you okay. have coins, like you, you'll use it or lose it basically. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is you'll basically get to screens that will have, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. The, the guy who um, runs the boats in the underworld, but I'm blanking on his name. And oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. It's the C, but I can't, I can't, it's right there, <laughs> but I can't get to it. Uh, 80s boat guy. <laughs> Caron. Uh, yes, yeah, so Caron's shop will appear at random intervals too, and you can purchase things for coins that you may have picked up throughout your run. So it'll, usually it'll be like, here's some health because you have one health bar and you have to make it through the entire dungeon somehow. 
And although one of the buffs that I've picked up is basically you get res- resurrected. So you can die and then you'll be refilled to half health. And then mm. that's the one that's 500 to get another one, which makes sense. Um, it does. It's going to, it will break the game. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm all about breaking games like this because I don't like them in the mm-hmm. traditional sense. Uh, but so far, I think I really, I personally really love Greek mythology. So anything that has those characters, I'm really interested in. I love the design they've done for all of the Greek gods. I think they're really spectacular and all their personalities are really fun. I think the writing is just also really good. So for me, I do think this is a really great game. I think if you do like roguelikes too, you'll really enjoy it. I've just been playing on my switch because I knew that I could watch. I picked (laughs) this game because I was like, I have kingdoms of Omelette reckoning, but I kind of want to play something on my switch so I can sit my ass on the couch have something on in the background on the TV because apparently I need all of the stimulation in my life yeah. <laughs> that I could possibly get <laughs> and then play something else too. But I found myself really getting engrossed in Hades and like turned the TV off and was just sitting there jamming. And nice. I know that some people might think it's weird to play a roguelike on handheld mode, but I'm doing it. And again, I'm mostly doing it because I'm not one of those hardcore players that is really trying to even mitigate death at this point. Cause I know if I die, I'm just going to get a higher damage percent increase. And it's really okay <laughs> by me. Like I'm like, sure. At some point I'll hit a hundred and it will be fine. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like you also get some fun little story elements too. When you die, like there's new people and people have new things to say. So yeah, that's the part I find yeah. interesting. And I think, I think that's really well done of them so that when you die personally, at least so far, I haven't felt like really punished by it. It's more like, Oh, okay, well let's just see what's going on over here. And let's, go over here or okay maybe i'll if i've there's another there's another currency where you can unlock new weapons and so like okay well maybe i'll try this weapon this run tried it out nope hate this all right well i'll just die and then go back home it'll be fine i'm not really worried about it Uh, and i think that's been really nice for me is it's a roguelike but for me i've found the experience to be a lot more chill than something like a demon souls or a dark souls or yeah Oh, that's I awesome. Just, no, yeah. that makes me happy to hear that because I also almost downloaded it. And then uh, I was like, oh, it's a roguelike. Nope. Not yeah, right now. Yeah, it on God mode. Yeah. Good to know. Thanks, Simer. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people playing it on Switch. Uh, the game did come out on PC a while back, but I'm glad that it's It gained- was in early early access. Like, a, And they actually, from what I read, got a lot of community feedback and like built the game and reiterated on it to make it better. And now it's an official... Launch on Switch. There you go. Boom. Hades. So the game that I'm talking about, Steimer briefly mentioned, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. So the game embargo actually lifted while I was out of town while you guys were doing the Steinbacher show. Mm. Um, And so I wanted to kind of briefly touch on my time with it because I was super pumped for this game when it was revealed that they were going to be doing this. So just as a refresher, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning came out back on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, and it was published by EA. And made by 38 Studios, I believe was the name of the studio. Um, And then obviously famously went under, went bankrupt. Kurt Schilling had this whole fiasco, blah, blah, blah. Nordic, THQ Nordic bought it, revived it, and then they remastered it and have now released it. So it's out now. And the thing that I love about this game is that it's just like comfort food RNG or, or RPG in a way that I haven't found a modern game to be. I think like the last game 
that kind of felt like this for me was maybe Dragon Age Inquisition, but without all of the, you know, in-depth relationships and conversation trees that, of course, Bioware is known for. And I've been diving into this and just, it it all came flooding back. I just, Mm -hmm. I started a brand new save. Apparently there's like third-party um, software where you can try to import your save, which I would not recommend because you could potentially, you know, bork your system. But um, I I love that this game just has so many different options, so many different play styles. And like the remaster feels really good. The combat feels the same way. The everything, the motion feels great. The frame rates look good. I mean, it just feels like a polished up version of the game that I loved. And I think that if you're looking for something to tide you over, until the game releases really start picking up in mid to late October, this is a great option for you if you never got the chance to play the original. I really hope that they bring this game back in some form and make a sequel or make another installment because I think on next gen, this game could be phenomenal. And they have all of the DLC included in the Re-Reckoning, which was really cool. So I went to my chest and picked up my stuff and then promptly filled up my inventory and didn't want to drop anything. But the Mass Effect armor is back, which was very exciting. Uh, yeah, to piggyback off that, um, also thank you THQ Nordic for... <laughs> yes, for sending the codes. Thank I you. literally have that in the show notes and just, you know... Went right over it. it this is why we, we got each other. It really is comfort food because they're, it's just like a true blue... RPG. You get so much loot, maybe a little too much loot, but it's kind of fun. And the characters are so well written and it's such a fantasy-esque type of world that you just get lost in. I would totally say, like, if you're looking for something that I don't know if, I mean, Andrew, you finish it. I've only put maybe, like, only 20 to 30 hours into this and then I stopped playing it. This was way back in the day and I just recently picked it up, picked up the remaster. Uh, so I don't really know, like, how dark and nitty-gritty the story gets, but from what I have seen, it just, it kind of feels like a Disneyland. You're like, ah, oh, I'm in this, like, super pretty, immersive, fantasy, bright-colored world. It's so nice, and there's so much armor and weird things to kill. Well, know. what I really love about this game is that it doesn't require you to know a deep history about any previous games. You don't need to have played, you know... A thousand hours in the franchise to understand what's going because this was designed as like an original story right like they mm-hmm. pitched it as like this brand new rpg franchise and then unfortunately you know through some bad management it it flopped in a sense but the game itself was really well done and i think that if you're looking for something where you can just dive in and not have to worry about being lost in a story this is a really great place for you to go and you get to you know there's a creator character there's the typical fantasy tropes you can figure out like do I want to do like a long sword or do I want to do like the dual blades and do you want to put points into sneaking or do you want to put points into sneak, you know sneak, sneak. yeah I mean like I just I think I'm missing that RPG right now and all of these cool RPGs that have been announced like this idea of ooh Elder Scrolls 6 is coming to next gen and ooh what's Obsidian working on and ooh Fable was announced but like those are so far away. Cyberpunk's just around the corner, but I understand. It's not a fantasy, right? It's not high fantasy. And I think like cyberpunk is very much going to be more of a shooter. Like this is, these are traditional like yes. fantasy classes. Where's mm-hmm. my bow and arrow? There's a, there's a bow. There's a, there's hammers. There's, I, I've been was, using the chakrams. Those are my favorite. Um, I loved in Skyrim, just like picking people off with the arrow. My favorite, I don't know how the AI reacts in this game, but when the AI would run over and be like, 
what was that? Oh my God, so and so's dead. Okay. Oh, it's just the wind. And then like you turn around, you're like, <laughs> yeah. your friend is dead on the floor and it's just the wind. Yep. All right. Gotta love what that sort AI. Of crack pipe are you smoking? Yeah. No, you're totally right. It does fall into some of those tropes as well. I find but it charming. Like I, yeah. I, I do. I don't mm-hmm. hate it. It's not a. It's not a knock. I find it ridiculous, but in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the game is fun. It's. It's. I've been having a great time with it, and to me, it's a really easy thing to spend time in and not have any pressure. And it's they did add a very hard mode for people who played the original game because there were some fan complaints that as you got through towards the end of the back half of the story that it just got too easy once you were fully leveled up. But they added a new very hard mode. They made a couple of performance enhancements. But overall, this isn't a remake, right? This is just like a polish up remaster, a re-release, a re-reckoning. So I've, I've been having a great time with it and... If you guys, like I said, are looking for a fun fantasy RPG, mm-hmm. highly recommend. It's lots of fun. Yes. Collect all of the things. Smash all of the crates. And then I did play this other game. And I played this game because I saw... Um, I actually had Ben Burns reach out to me, the creator of this game, reach out to me on email and was like, Hey, I have this... I'm a developer from Minnesota. I made this game called Color Jumper and was interested if you wanted to try it out. And I was like, okay. I watched the trailer and I was like, huh, this reminded me instantly of Super Meat Boy. And uh, Ben did say this... Reminds me also of Thomas Was Alone a little yes, bit. Yes, absolutely. So he said that, uh, you know, he took a lot of inspiration from platformers of many different um, consoles and wanted to do something that was puzzle-based but also felt manageable but at the same time very very challenging so essentially like if you have played thomas was alone or super meat boy you kind of get the platformer with the the little cube person but the twist here is that the cube has different colors on each side it's basically like a not tetris what's the other thing called rubik's cube yes so it kind of looks like a rubik's cube in the sense that you have to spin your little guy around and then you have to be able to use that as part of the puzzle and he did add a colorblind mode which we're seeing here on screen where he added symbols for people who want to play you know that don't have the ability to see those colors that he used in the original build but this is like a single person making a game right so that looks fun yeah yeah so i played this on my nintendo switch so he originally released it on steam a couple of years back and then had a port that he released on nintendo switch earlier this month and boy oh boy is it challenging <laughs> like yeah dude i mean i just watching that trailer i was like this looks fun but also hard because like having to get the rotation right on the cube and because you it you have to stick the cube with the correct color otherwise you die so <laughs> yes oh. so i think it adds a really nice um difficulty layer for people who like that type of platformer but wanted something a little bit more and the controls are really responsive there's over a hundred levels and i thought it was a cool little indie game to try out and what i like is that you can play it because in just in like small batches so if you have it on your switch and you're like playing something else and you're like hey i just need like a little palette cleanse you can just like bang out a couple levels of a game like color jumper and then when you get frustrated, you can be like, okay, I'm done with you. Back to Animal Crossing. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm going to go shake some more trees. <laughs> I can't lose that game. Yeah. Unless it beef. Yeah. Well. But yeah, so that is what I'm playing. And then Steimer, you have been reading. 
Yes. Ooh, a book. You have okay. been reading a book. That's what you typically read. Bestow well, some knowledge, before. girl. Bestow some knowledge. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about this book a little bit because I've been having a really great time with it. It's called Being Wrong. I put this on my Instagram when I first started reading it, but I hadn't hadn't read any of it yet. I was just like, this is the book I'm reading. And then I saw somebody had tweeted at me later and they were like, I started reading this too because you recommended it and I really like it. And I was like, oh shit, I should start reading this book. (laughs) (laughs) So now I I have read it um, for a little while now and I do think it's really enjoyable. I don't know that it's currently, it kind of just gives you a different lens at how we as people look at being wrong and how we, we personalize and like frame it. And we think that when we're wrong, it like means that there's something wrong with us, whatever. Like we can just take things really, really personally when we are wrong. And I found it interesting. It looks at the psychology of that and like how we as human beings reason and how we think we reason. And those are two very different things. And then how we can kind of villainize anybody who doesn't, who doesn't think the same way as we do or did not reach the same conclusion we did. Um, I'm not, I'm not done with the book yet, but that's kind of where I've read to so far. And I just have found it really, really eye opening and like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll try and give, you know, a little bit more of benefit of the doubt to other people you're disagreeing with or be easier on myself when I'm wrong on something, because as humans, we all use inductive reasoning, which basically means we are using the most minimal amount of evidence to reach the biggest conclusions. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> uh, and what we, what, but what we like to think we are is very logical. And we like to think that we base all of our beliefs and all of our morals on things that we are very you know, emotionally removed from and things that we sit and we really think about and we have a lot of evidence that we look at these things and then we weigh the pros and we're cons. We're all pragmatic, Steimer. And all we're all us. perfect and we never fail at this. But it, it's what I've really enjoyed about the book too is like it, it shows the pros and cons of inductive reasoning. It's like we think this way because it actually makes sense for us to think this way. And for the most part, it does this, it serves us well. It's just like it can, it obviously has its major faults and it can really screw up in some really major ways. Uh, but that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. Mm. And uh, so it's just been, it's been giving me an interesting perspective. And I thought in the times we live in, it might be good for other people to pick it up and give it a go to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not a nonfiction person, but this feels like a book that I should read specifically. <laughs> you know, I was going to let you borrow it when I was done. <laughs> You're like, how do I tactfully be like, hey, Andrea, Andrea um, if you want to check out this book and then you're like, I got it. I'm I don't talk about it, it on the podcast. It's one of those things where I'm like, technically, I feel like I already kind of understood the higher level concepts of this book. Yeah. But the way she dives into a lot of um, examples, I've found just like, oh, OK, yeah, that makes sense. Or, oh, that's interesting. And okay, yeah, maybe, you know, being less hard on yourself or being less hard on others when when their inductive reasoning fails. No. Yeah, I think that that is something that requires a lot of self-reflection, which everybody, myself included, struggles with, right? And think that there's a lot of great resources out there for... For stuff like that. So I think that that's a great recommendation. Yeah, yeah, Samer. I like these little segments when you've been reading books and you can bestow knowledge upon all of us. It's nice. <laughs> I like it too. I think it's fun. Yeah. We learn about sleep. I enjoy sleep. psychology books. Spouse. I currently have The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck on my to-do list as well. That is an awesome, awesome book. I, yes. Definitely read that one. I haven't read that one. Yeah, it's I good. I have nothing to say about it. 
Well, maybe you should put it on the list, everybody. I will. I have my next one that's kind of more like that in that vein is uh, Think Like a Freak by the same people, I think, who wrote Freakonomics, which was one of my favorite books. I love that book. Hmm. Teaser, everybody. Future content to come. (laughs) Well, on that note, we're going to take our final break of the show. When we come back, we are going to be talking about what fictional character is great in fiction but would function terribly in real life. This is a Patreon-produced segment. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It is the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and you're getting the finger guns from one Christine Steinberg. I got them locked and loaded. <laughs> <laughs> And this segment is brought to you by patreon.com slash what's good games. Every month we love to read shout outs to our fantastic Patreon community. That's right. If you are an elite patron or above, you will get your name read probably very poorly by one of us. And then we will discuss a topic voted upon by you. Before we read everybody's names, the topic this month, Brittany, is from Maz Mikasa. What fictional character is great in fiction but would function terribly in real life civilization? Dun dun dun. This is going to be a good one. Yeah. I'm excited. But before we do that, let's read some names. Uh, I'll start, then we'll go to Brent, then we'll go to Steimer. Here we go. Almost Superman. Andrew Courtney. Can Daddy. Dustin Toby. Regina Flange. DK2112. Maz Mikasa. The male escorts. The Supreme Commander of the Cyber Chihuahua Ninja Army. Sean Smith. Nathaniel Shun. Daniel Hall. Bang, zoom, pow. Alexandre David. Eric Z. Ermagerd. Arenda. Yisun Kagenomai. Carla Callahan. You did that great, Britt. I'm Thanks. proud of you. Thanks. Nathan Watkins. Uh, mm, Chewie's godson. Michaela Sage. Philip Dreher. Alex Kola. Al Tribesman. Marco Antaveros. Tracy H. Tony Shay. Tara Bruno. Brittany Heath. William Cullum. Trent Berry. Sean I. Justin Foss. Brian R. Johnson. Justin Fashi. Jasmine Lee Sayinas. Patrick Landry. Will Hernandez. Punctified. Rob Leonard. Melanthia Owens. Jake Sue. Brian Harper. Patrick Higgins. Kenneth Stimmel. Zach Hershey's Kiss. Trent Bennington. Emily Kent. Roland Bala. E. Benjamin Checkness. Tyler Phillips. Christopher Landmark. Lindmark? Lindmark. Lindmark. Sorry. Ferris Atiche. Gary Oxborough. Matthew Simpson. Jessica Bloom. Patrick Weller. Matthew Godera. I can't mm. roll my R's. Godera. <laughs> Noel Navarez. Tyler McCall. Martha Emery. Joe Anderson. Devin Nitz. Adrian Rock Williams. Shai Jackson Burgess. Mohammed Mohammed. Mikey Phillips. Chris Wilson. Renate Burns. Alberto Andres Vidal. Giselle Baza. Andrew Susan. Gary Peck. Nambui. Robert Adams. Michael S. Marcus Ian Brown. Pete Schumacher. RJ Bryan. Carol Peterson. 
Joe Kennison. Bill Stilwell. Oh, yay, got it. Pure blue octopus. <laughs> Reagan Imsen. <laughs> Teresa Ener. I love you, Mom. Hey, Sloan DeMac. <laughs> Alex Rigamalis. <laughs> Andrew Cotton. Kia B. Joe Schlieff. Emma Shell. Elizabeth Brooke. Gio Corsi. Molly Bittner. Javid Howard. Ozzy Mieha. Nicole Humphrey. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. John Drake. And Trevor Snarky Starkey. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for supporting us at What's Good Games. We cannot do the show with you. We say this every month and will. You said with you. We can't do the show with you. I mean, I mean we wrong. cannot do the show with Ak- You know what I meant. I mean, you're not, your first statement wasn't wasn't wrong. I wanted them to know that was a club I mean, and not a real. I mean, technically, we couldn't do the show with all of you. It would be very difficult. It I would. don't have that many microphones. It's true. How, it how would be, we hear? It would yeah. be very difficult. It would be <sighs> difficult. Okay, ladies. So I thought about this question a little bit. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And what you got for the me, conclusion baby? I came to is I think the only characters that would function well in real life would be the ones from the Life is Strange universe. Obviously, really? she could rewind time. That would totally okay. But up. before that, she knew how to live in the normal world, right? They knew barely. how are things. <laughs> what do you mean, barely? Poor Max. I'm just I'm throwing shade. I Don't, know you are. Let Brittany make her case. Yeah, go for it. Go no, it's okay, Samaria. It, it wouldn't be. And you look, you're right here next to me. It's just part of it. I can feel your energy vibing off me. Anyway, all I'm saying is, I think the only characters that would stand a chance would be those from Life is Strange. Sure, they have some weird powers, but before that. They didn't know they had them. They are functioning just fine. Or if you're Steimer, you say barely. I think the characters that would be totally fucked would be the RPG characters of the world. Think about it. They barge into people's houses all the time because they think they have a right to do it. They go through your cabinets. They steal your shit. They would have this unrealistic expectation of being able to hold hundreds of items at once. You know, I think they would not do very well at all. No, totally. I think I think the... Um even in something like Ghost of Tsushima, where he's this noble samurai, or supposed to be, and acting respectful of other people, will still walk into someone's place and steal their stuff. Yeah. Like, will still just pick up a batch of linen that they got sitting there. They probably needed to use that. They may have clothing needs or blanket needs, but you know it's what? It's mine now. You it's, just yeah. take it because you can, because you're there and you've got a sword and they don't. And that's just... I'm not going to say that's not how the world works because it is sometimes, but it's not well, how it should work. It's not you're how it's right. supposed to work. Protagonists are entitled assholes in video games. I think everything belongs to them and that the world was created specifically for them, which I guess it was. It was. Yeah. And, and so, like, yeah, that's definitely a, a trait of the of the main character of a lot of video games is, like, they throw caution to the wind or they throw rules, rules be damned, like, those kinds of things. And I'm not going to say those people never do well in real life because we've seen that, they Elon Musk... <laughs> It's kind of one that's doing called out pretty well for himself. (laughs) Uh, But traditionally, if you do not have the brain of Elon Musk or the Uh, money of Elon Musk, you ain't going to do as well with that kind of attitude. What about Andrea Tom Nook? How would he be in the real world? Oh, he's a fucking capitalist. He'd do great. Yeah, honestly, I think Tom Nook, I mean, dis- despite the fact that he's a talking raccoon. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, if we can get over that whole part about Rocket, animals talking. I think Rocket and Guardians of the Galaxy has helped normalize. Normalize talking raccoons. If he became real life, people would be like, oh, it's like Rocket. Who knew that Rocket Raccoon would be paving the way for Tom fucking Nook? Oh, oh my, my God. God. Um, I, I think it's interesting because it's 
tough to know like what the sliding scale is on this question of what we're considering to be like IRL and not. Because like I think a talking raccoon would be terrifying. I think a talking raccoon that's charging me interest. Or <laughs> no, he doesn't actually charge. He you actually interest. pays you interest. Now yeah. that I think about it, um, and he never actually sets a date. He never makes you sign He's a loan agreement. He's the world's greatest loan. He like everyone bitches about Tom Nook, but like, but real he doesn't talk. have interest. It's on like your borrowing list. money from your parents, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. They're like, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this loan. You need to take it because you need to like set up your life. But I'm not going to like pressure you to pay it back. I'm going to gently remind you from time to time that you have an outstanding balance, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hustle you down to pay. You can technically never pay Tom, but Tom Nook back if you don't want to. Yeah, but you'll only have one size house for the rest of your life. You'll Uh, never be able to grow. No, I mean the final loan. Oh, sure. Once you do the final expansion. Yeah. You could sit on that balance. I didn't because I want to. I, I, I You're hate, like, I need to wipe out the I hate the having ledger. that debt on the books. Yeah. <laughs> so no I red on my ledger. Is it red? Yes. Yeah. No red on my ledger. Mm. So I was like, I must sell enough turnouts to pay off Tom Nook. So I did. Stamp achieved. But that's a, that's a, that's a good question, Brittany. We, uh, we were talking about this before we started the segment. And I told Steimer, I said, I feel bad that I constantly use Mass Effect characters as a crutch. But I was like, God, can you imagine Rex? Like IRL? <laughs> Do you mean like as a Krogan or just personality alone? Both. Mm. I think mostly as a Krogan because personality, I think we've all met a Rex IRL. I love Rex's sure. personality, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm thinking about like if if he as an alien species was real, I'm like, it would be terrifying. I think But Garrett so would a lot of so other alien species. All of yeah. them, yeah. I think... Yeah, but what I, I don't know why my head jumped to it, but jumped to Sephiroth for some reason. Oh, oh, yeah, I he's I don't terrible. Know why, but I was just like, oh, Sephiroth. <laughs> oh, Sephiroth. Oh, oh, Daddy, hello. No, okay, he's, uh, go, he's go on. I mean, I'm gonna default more to Brittany because she knows the character more than I do. I only know the little bit that I played in the in the remax remake rather not remake. yeah he's a he's a troubled a troubled chap he had to come to some grips about his upbringing and who he really was and instead of uh you know maybe going to therapy maybe reading a self-help book he decided to go on a murderous rampage and i feel like you know what we don't need that in this world at least in this world i feel like we could throw him into a jail or something or a prison maybe and he would actually yeah. deserve it. You know, he he would really fucking deserve to go there. Hmm. Yeah. That's why, like, I'm even looking at, uh, you know, yourself here with all the assassins. And I'm like, they would not function well in real life. I'm going to jump off a building caught. into a pile of hay. <laughs> what that is something you can't do, IRL. You cannot jump off of, like, a 50-foot building and land and not break your neck. Correct. And especially in that tiny-ass bale of hay. But that bale of hay ain't going to do much for your broken neck. <laughs> sir nope pretty sure you would still hit the ground not much cushion there I, yeah. yeah you you ta- you brought up Sephiroth and I thought of Ganondorf <laughs> <laughs> like, let's talk about Mario and Luigi like, all like, Nintendo characters. are we talking about Nintendo characters because all of them are problematic oh, IRL yeah yes. they really are I I would really actually I would I would personally love to see Mario and Luigi because technically they're plumbers so theoretically they would be able to have a business but God knows the last time they did any real plumbing work word. and they have just been chasing after Peach for so long that <laughs> I feel like they would get to the real world and actually not be able to do anything. Yeah, that's true. They'd be pretty useless. I keep They'd thinking be like a princess. Oh, I must have gone to the castle. Oh, here and we go. They We're landed gonna- in Europe. There wouldn't be any castles for them to go find. <laughs> What about Kratos at Disney World? 
Which version of Kratos? Got the la- the latest Kratos. Okay. There's got to be a gif of this, right? <laughs> I probably. Feel like it. Probably. Because I feel like Kratos of 2018 isn't a bad Kratos. You know, he he's, he's no. He's got a good heart. He is a, he has boy now, so you know he's boy. softy. But I feel like he would get fed up of sh- with shit real quickly, especially at a place as stimulating as Disney World. I mean, there's a reason he moved to the middle of the woods. <laughs> That's very it true. was not to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think Kratos at Disneyland would not fare well, and no. by that I mean everybody else would die and he would be fine, because um, he would probably just snap and go back to old God of War where he just kills lots of people with yeah. his chains. I feel like somebody we were talking about things people that are a little bit more realistic. Somebody like a Nathan Drake would be problematic. Oh yeah, oh because so oh. Because he seems like a charming, aloof, all-around good guy, but he's really just a rampaging murderer. Yeah. Yes. Who likes to steal things. Yeah, he's he... pretty much mm-hmm. the definition of a narcissist. Like, full-blown... Sca- like, we all have oh. a bit of narcissism in us, but he is full-blown Richter scale narcissist. Full-blown. <laughs> all the historic sites would be would be destroyed. He would go in there and try to steal all of the artifacts, all of the museums, with not one shit given for anyone else. Yeah, he'd yeah. be not great. He All of them would be- suck. Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, people who would do really well, like thrive. I feel like even in the only things I can really think of are my brain goes to persona because those are already high school kids that just happen to like stumble upon a weird alternate universe so basically if that alternate universe happens to not exist they would all just be like kicking around real life doing real life things yeah doing their laundry going to the sauna doing their thing shit, so basically exams high yeah. school video game characters would be okay it's kind of yeah. like the conclusion i think we've come to yes they're they're so young and innocent at this point that they would be just fine yeah i'm trying to think about like the inverse of this of like that would function terribly in society like i don't because we were thinking like almost all of them would i don't know who else would function well i don't know if she would function well or not but um i would be curious to see aloy yeah in, in like this version Ooh, of yeah like modern day aloy and, yeah if you be, if you actually ported her from her world as being quote-unquote real to now and her just being like, whoa, <laughs> like, what is this? Where are the machines? Wait, the machines just do your taxes? I don't understand. <laughs> What's what a tax? Taxes? Yeah, what are yeah. taxes? <laughs> that's, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, bringing somebody from like a different time period into present day. There's I'm definitely been a ton of movies like this, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. God, you talk about machines and it makes me go, what if GLaDOS was real? <gasps> That'd be so scary. Oh, my God. A murderous yeah. robot is terrifying, but then also really cute when she's a potato. Yeah. It's so funny. Like yeah, the cutting funny. wit. She Again, could go out on her own stand-up tour and crush it. You got to keep her in potato form. Yes. But if you kept her in potato form, I would be totally down with GLaDOS hanging out. Yeah. Because she is funny as fuck. Like, she's super funny. She's great. The writing of Portal 2, completely underrated by current audiences, I think. I think people who know, know. But I feel like Portal is one of those games that always gets overlooked in these like best games ever conversations. And I feel like I'm one of the few people that's always like Portal's Portal 2 is one of the most perfect games ever made. You talk about masterpieces. 
Portal 2. I, I had to look up the character's name because I couldn't remember the other guy. Uh, Wheatley. I would also oh. love if he was Ah, Wheatley. Yeah. I just think those those robots are lovable in their own ways. Um, oh, we forgot. Okay, the, the character that would do the best in real life is just the companion cube because it's a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> but is that, a comp- is that a character, though? It is. I think so. Yeah. That's the whole point of the companion cube is to make you feel something in this game. The first one. Well, that's true. I do have a companion cube on set. Yeah. Man. This is an interesting this is an interesting thing to ponder. I'm trying to figure out Yeah. If you were going to meet up, let's make a really specific let's let's bring Maz's question into focus here. Okay. Okay. You have to pick a video game character to go out for a night on the town with. Who do you bring? Ooh. Okay. Like you can go get drinks at a bar, go clubbing. Like, Ugh. like paint the town red. You're going to go out and party. Who do you pick to go out and party with? Mm. That's a, hmm. This is an excellent question. And one that is hard for hmm. me because I'm not a partier much to begin with. But I like the thought of this. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like non my brain automatically goes answers. mine automatically goes to mass effect but i'm trying to figure out which of the crew member only because they have the club and you can you can go dance that's yes, yes, true you can. you can and you can see your your friends dancing there and like that's sort of fun um man who, i i, ugh, I, I, guess know, I taking... like somebody like baird from gears could be really fun to go out with yeah i, I don't know about baird but because I, hmm. I feel like he's just too much like work 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 he's too much like i'm a scientist that's fair. science 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 i always like thought telling you about the molecules in your fucking drink you're like i don't care about <laughs> this let's just get wasted yeah. let's just go get fucked up i always thought chloe frazier was really fun i really liked her oh chloe <gasps> that's a good chloe pick, would be excellent fun. that yeah. is a fantastic pick she from would, from uh uncharted uncharted, uncharted lost series. legacy i mean she's from the uncharted series yeah. but had her big like starring role in lost legacy Yes, no, that is an excellent pick for sure. I think Garrus would also. I also go to Mass Effect too. I think Garrus would be fun. I'm trying to think of Dragon Age characters that would be really great as a I drinking mean, buddy. Ooh, I'm going to take Colin oh. with me anywhere. Colin, yeah, yeah. Mm, uh, Cade Six from Destiny, absolutely. He would be super fun to go out with. <laughs> yes, he would. But he is a robot. <laughs> you know what? Exos are are people too. They have feelings. I and just meant more for other functionality. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, robots, I'm not going to go. That's you know true. what? No, I'm going to not go mean. down that path. I'm just going to like. I know where you're going and I understand. I'm going to pin I, that and put it to the side. <laughs> I think Zevron would be fun too. That's his name. Zevron yeah, from Dragon Age. True. He would be a good yeah. time. He, Dorian. Dorian. Mm. Mm. Dorian mm. would be great. He I mean, he's a good dancer too. So he would, he would be a good dance partner. Yeah. Plus, he can do magic. I'm like, that's pretty dope. <laughs> that would be dope. He can do magic. I'm trying to think of like other video game characters that aren't like super well known that would maybe be fun. And I think about like, I don't think there's anybody really in the Nintendo universe that would be like, I want to go to a bar with that person. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. It could be fun to go to a bar with Toad. She. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Imagine drunk karaoke with Toad so that it turns into the video. The chandelier. Yeah, drunk Toad. That would be great. But her name is Paulina, right? She sings. She could be fun to go out with. She's got a cute little red dress. 
I guess I don't recall any mm. of Paulina's like dialogue. I don't know. I, it has nothing to do with her personality. It's just the fact <laughs> that she stands on top of a building and sings a song. And I'm like, if you can do that, you'll probably be pretty fun to go out with. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I'm looking at a scroll of all Nintendo Pauline characters. Knows. You're talking about in Odyssey? Super Mario Odyssey? Pauline. Was it Odyssey? Well, I mean, she's based off the classic Donkey Kong character, right? But I don't remember if it was an Ina or an Ina. I don't either. Would you like me to look it up? Yeah, please. <laughs> so I was like, I need I'm to like, know. I need to, to know. know what her name was. <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw it was Odyssey. Hmm. Hmm. Pauline. Pauline. All right. I N E. My apologies, Pauline. I was calling you Paulina. It happens. But yeah, you look like Carmen San Diego, and I find Geralt. that really cool. <laughs> I like to go drinking with Gerald. I think that could be kind of fun, kind of dangerous. But Ooh, fun. do you think it'd be fun, or do you think he'd be like moody AF the whole time? I think I would be not want to go it. with him. I would go with Dandelion. Dandelion. Yennefer would, would be fun. Yennefer, no, right? Yennefer would not be nice to you. Dandy, if you were looking for a good time, Dandelion. Dandelion would be the one to show you around. Mm, yeah. Because mm. he knows all the, I mean, the club slash brothels. <laughs> Back then, they were just brothels. Uh, so. See, I think if Yennefer liked you and she was nice to you, going out and drinking with her could be really fun. It just depends yeah, on like what your relationship so, like, they is. Don't really, her and Geralt have the issue of, like, they will absolutely drink you under the table. Like, absolutely. They, <laughs> they do not have the same sort of tolerance we humans do. They don't. But that'd be so fun. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, yeah, if she was real, I'd absolutely want to meet her because she's fucking cool. Yeah. But uh, I think Daniel would be the one I would pick out of that universe to be like, mm-hmm. let's just go party. All right. I would I would go, uh, like, drink some wine with um, Cassandra from Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh yeah! Oh, she would be great. Yeah, she seems like she's down. Kick it she's back. down to have a good time. I mean, in my playthrough, she was absolutely down to have a good time with <laughs> anybody who came along. <laughs> she was not concerned for anything. <laughs> oh yeah, old, young, you know. If they were down, she was down. Man, woman, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Hmm. Oh, remember when we could go out and go to bars and paint the town red? Right. I never did that a lot, but yeah, I, I do remember the ability to do so. We did it several times. You and I have, yes. I'm oh. just saying that it wasn't like we were doing that every even quarter. <laughs> well, I, I also didn't live here, and then I it's moved true. here, and then we were, you know, holidays happened, and then, you know, we had... Some work and then boom, pandemic. And then pandemic. Pandemic time. And then 2020 was like, F you when you're going out times, you will stay home in isolation and like it. And we're like, okay. Okay, thank you. If you insist, then we retreat into our video game worlds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which we will continue to do and stay safe and wear masks and social distance and wash your hands and take your vitamins because then if you get sick, you have a better chance at fighting it off. True that. That's my TED Talk. And that's our show. <laughs> Thank you so much to everybody who voted in that poll. Thank you to Maz for that fun conversation starter. And don't forget, those are part of your Patreon rewards. And I want to give a big shout out and thank you to Britt for managing our Patreon survey. And thank you to everybody who sent in their responses. We are compiling your answers. We are going to be looking over them thoughtfully. And we have some ideas about some changes we're going to make. But at the end of the day... What it means is that you guys support our voices and support the content we make, and we heart you for that. Yay! It's true. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Bye.